Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Amen. He's coming soon. I'm excited about this new series, Studying the Book of Zechariah. Zechariah means the Lord remembers, and he was both a priest and a prophet, like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and John the Baptist. And he prophesied to Judah after the exiles returned from captivity in Babylon. In fact, most likely, Zechariah was born not in Israel, but probably in Babylon. And he came with a wave of 50,000 other Jewish exiles back to Jerusalem. The theme of the book is Your King is Coming. Because he talks about the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ as well. And while the exiles were waiting for their promised king and Messiah to come, they had some work to do. And they also had to have the right heart and the right mind. And so Zechariah was sent to prophesy to them. In the Life Application Bible, it says this. Like Haggai, Zechariah encouraged the people to continue rebuilding the temple whose reconstruction had been halted for nearly 15 years. And Zechariah combated the people's spiritual apathy, despair over pressures from their enemies, and discouragement about the smaller scale of the new temple foundation. And so we too must confront our any spiritual apathy we may have. We need to surmount the despair arising from the pressures of life. And we need to overcome our discouragement in the name of Jesus. And so Zechariah brings a unique message because he has multiple visions. This guy has a bunch of visions. And some of them are pretty strange. Four horns, a flying scroll, and a woman in a basket are just some of them. But we're going to study his first vision this morning. And here it is in Zechariah chapter 1 verse 7. On the 24th day of the 11th month, the month of Shabbat, which is our month of February, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. During the night I had a vision, and there before me was a man riding a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine, and behind him were red, brown, and white horses. I asked, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who was talking with me answered, I will show you what they are. And then the man standing among the myrtle trees explained, they are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees, we have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and in peace. And then the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the towns of Judah, which you have been angry with these 70 years? So the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. And then the angel who was speaking to me said, proclaim this word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Jerusalem and Zion, but I am very angry with the nations that feel secure. I was only a little angry, but they added to the calamity. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt, and the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Proclaim further, this is what the Lord Almighty says, my towns will again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. And so we see that the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah. 
Now this phrase, the word of the Lord came, that exact phrase is used over a hundred times in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came, and, it, and we see it, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and in this case, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. This phrase is very important. The first time it is used is in Genesis 15.1, which says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. I mean, that's a great vision. The word of the Lord came to Abram. And in the Old Testament, there were primarily three ways the word of the Lord would come to people. And we see this from Thomas Constable's notes on the Bible. He says, the word of the Lord came is a phrase typically introducing revelation to a prophet. Visions were one of the three primary methods of divine revelation in the Old Testament, along with dreams and direct communications. And so in the Old Testament, God would primarily speak through prophets, through visions, through dreams, and through the still small voice of God. In the New Testament, God still speaks through prophets and dreams and visions and the still small voice. But most often, God speaks his word through the word, the Bible. And in the New Testament, we discover that Jesus is the, the incarnation of the word. John, the book of John starts off with Jesus being identified as the word of God. And we see this in John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see that Jesus came. He was the word of the Lord that came. He was the incarnation of God's word. And while the Lord still does speak through prophets and visions and dreams, he most often speaks through the Bible. In fact, all prophecies and all dreams must come under the authority of the Bible, of God's word. God speaks most often through the Holy Word. And the Word of God has the power to change our lives. There's, there's nothing like the power of the Bible to bring change to your life. I believe it. I've seen it in my own heart and life, how God's Word has spoken to me as we study it. Look at Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of, the, of God is living and active. Did you hear that? God's Word is still alive. The Bible is still alive, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's what God's Word does. Man, it cuts and divides soul and spirit. It's, it speaks to our heart. God does surgery on our soul through the Word of God. And there are times I'm reading the Bible and it feels like God just smacks me right across the head, reaches out of the Word and smacks me across the head, speaks to me, challenges me, convicts me. That's a good smack to the head. And so if this is the Word of God that, that came in through prophets and visions and dreams, the Bible, the Old and New Testament, we have this incredible gift. And knowing that our King is coming, number one, we need to know the Word of the Lord to come to us. We need God's word in our life. We need a clear revelation of who the Lord is through his word. We must have the Lord speak to us during this time. And as I've said, there, there may be many ways God speaks, but the most powerful and the most authoritative is the Bible. And Jesus first came as the word of God as a suffering servant. 
Zechariah prophesied that he would come that way. But he is also going to come a second time as a conquering king. He is the word. And we see this in Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. This is a prophecy of the second coming of Christ. And Jesus came humbly in a manger, but the next time he's coming, he's got eyes of fire and a robe dipped in blood. Jesus will be riding a white horse. And speaking of horses, in his vision, Zechariah saw a man riding a red horse as well as red, brown, and white horses. Now, that, this is not just random. This is something we've got to study because there is symbolism that we need to understand if we're going to know God's word, especially in the book of Zechariah. And this red horse is one of many signs and symbols in the book of Zechariah that we are going to look at and we're going to try to understand. Because knowing that our king is coming, number two, we must search out the signs and symbolism in Zechariah and Revelation and other prophetic books. Now what's interesting is the signs aren't not always exactly what they seem. They have to be interpreted. When a woman in a basket and four horns, all those, those are visions, but they have to be interpreted. And so they're not exactly what they seem on the surface. A couple mornings ago, I was getting something out of the fridge, and I stepped back and heard this loud pop. I thought, what in the world have I stepped on? I mean, it was loud. It and, and I thought, you know, those poppers you have for fireworks, I thought, did we have some of those left over from the 4th of July? I have, you know, I was just thinking, this is so strange, you know, all in a microsecond after hearing this loud pop. And so when I lifted my foot, it was not what I thought. It was one of the biggest cockroaches I have ever seen in my life. I guess it was there looking in the fridge as well, checking it out, seeing what it was going to have. And I'm telling you, it popped loudly. It reverberated through my heel bone. It was a loud pop. And to make matters worse, it was still alive. Its legs were moving and everything. Now that I knew what it was, I felt like throwing up. I mean, it was, it was nasty. And so I, I cried like a schoolgirl, and Jolene came and cleaned it up. No, I, I got it. I got it this one. I got this one. And so not everything is as it seems. And so we need to understand these signs and symbols and what they mean. And in his vision, Zechariah saw a man riding a red horse. Now, at first glance, it may not be what we think. But as I, as I read this, I remembered, I know there's a red horse mentioned other places in Scripture. Now, it's important to understand, this is so critical. We interpret Scripture with Scripture. We always have to make sure we're aware of the context because people get into error and heresy and, and deception when they take one verse out of the Bible and separate it from its context. And so we, we always look at the scriptures and other scriptures to back it up. And so I knew that the, a red horse was mentioned elsewhere in scripture. In fact, it's mentioned in Revelation. 
During the great tribulation, there will be seven seals. Not that thing that eats fish and swims in the water and bounces a ball on its nose. Seals as in like a letter or a scroll, a signet ring. There were seven trumpets and seven bowls, and each one of these represents a key and usually catastrophic event in the end times. But when the second seal is broken, it releases a rider on a red horse. And this is where we pick it up in Revelation 6.3. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. So I find this fascinating. Zechariah mentions a red horse. And John, in Revelation, hundreds of years later, mentions a red horse as well. And in fact, Zechariah mentions a red horse twice. Not just in chapter 1, but in chapter 6. So let's read that. I looked up again, and there before me were four chariots coming out from between two mountains, mountains of bronze. And the first chariot had red horses, the second black, the third white, and the fourth dappled. All of them powerful, just like the red horse in Revelation. These horses are powerful. And I asked the angel who was speaking to me, what are these, my Lord? The angel answered me, these are the four spirits of heaven going out from standing in the presence of the Lord of the whole world. Did you hear that? These horses represent the four spirits. Did you know there were four spirits? Well, it also can mean breath or wind. And I don't have time to explain what the four spirits are right now because we'll, we'll tackle that when we get back to Zechariah 6, maybe in like three or four years from now at this pace. But I promise, we'll get back to the red horses and the four spirits. I challenge you, though, to be studying Zechariah for yourself. Will you join with me? And, and during your daily devotions, take a peek at Zechariah. Read it in different translations. Meditate on it. See what the Lord speaks to you. Use a study Bible to go deeper, maybe even a commentary. But let's take this journey together. You may find out things I don't even know, and you get up here and preach it. Bless God. We'll tag team with you. Now, it's not easy to understand end-time prophecy. That's why we must study it over and over and over again. Several months ago, I preached a series on the day of the Lord. And once again, we're revisiting the end times because it's all through the Bible. And so we must study it. And there's something that happens when we study the end-time prophecy, especially number three, there is a promise of blessing when we study the scriptures. This is especially true when we study on the second coming of Christ and especially the book of Revelation. Revelation, the word revelation is Latin for the Greek word apocalypse. We hear that word a lot, apocalypse, right? You know, it's a post-apocalypse movie or book or whatever's going on. Zombies, right? And the word apocalypse in the Greek means to expose what was hidden or secret, to unveil. It means to uncover or to, to remove the lid from something. So that's what apocalypse means, is, is to open the lid to see what's inside, to see the mystery inside. As a kid, I grew up on leftovers. Anybody with me? 
We, we didn't throw anything away. You know what? Some of my family, they ate gizzards. And you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And all that weird stuff inside the chicken and that, all that nasty stuff inside the turkey. I, I, man, that's just, but that's how I was raised. And some of you were raised that way too. Nothing went to waste. You ate everything. And if, and if you, if there was anything left over, you had leftovers and you lived on those the rest of the week, bless God. Now, we didn't have those fancy containers that you have now that are clear and, and, and you know, they're like high tech. We didn't even have Tupperware, for goodness sakes. Anybody remember Tupperware parties? Yeah, like Amway, scary. So we didn't, we didn't have the see-through, you know, containers. We didn't have the Tupperware what we had is we saved the country crock margarine bucket. Remember that? The country that gray bucket of different sizes. I saw this on a meme this last week on, on Facebook, and it, it brought me back to my childhood. And, and so I'd open the fridge, me and the cockroach, we'd open the fridge, and there's all these country crock buckets and tubs, and, and you had no idea what was in them. And so you would have to open each one and look in, and that, that looks partially edible, you know, until you found what you were looking for. Well, that's what revelation is. It means to open the lid and look inside, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to see the mystery, the secrets, and what's going on in this world. Revelation is taking off the lid of the end times. So is the book of Zechariah, and there is a promise in Revelation Let's look, chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angels to his servants, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. You hear that? The word of God again. Verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Do you hear that? Blessed are those who read it. You may not understand it first time around. You may not understand it second time around. But every time you read it, you're blessed. And you learn a little bit more and a little bit more. And, and so we've got we've to read the words and then we've got to hear the words. We need messages and sermons, and we need to discuss it with one another. We need to hear the words of the end times in Revelation, and then we need to take it to heart. We need to meditate on it. We need to be prepared. We need to have it in our soul. And I want to stress this this morning as your pastor. I feel strongly that it is so important that we study God's word, that we are aware of what's going on. We know what the truth is, and we know what a lie is. Because the Bible warns us that, number four, there will be deep deception and a great falling away in the end times. Jesus said this himself. And so we know our king is coming. And this is what our king said, so we would never forget. Matthew 24, verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow 
cold. For false, verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. Now let's unpack this a little bit. Jesus is, you, you should meditate on Matthew 24. Matthew 24 speaks of the end times and Jesus lists out the things that are happening and I, I believe they're starting to unfold right before our very eyes many of these things. But the first thing that Jesus warns about is that there will be a falling away. There are many Christians who will fall away from God in the end times. Now I do believe there's going to be a great revival in the end times as well. Whether that comes before or after, we know there is going to be a great falling away. But the falling away will happen because of deception. People will be deceived There'll be false Christs, even people that do miracles. And so we have to be on our guard against this deception. And the best way to be on your guard is to know the word. There are so many lies going on in the media today. Isn't it true? I mean, it's back and forth and here and there, and you don't even know what to believe anymore. Somebody said something three months ago, they're saying the opposite thing now. And so there's just chaos and craziness going on in, ter in terms of information. You know, the Bible speaks of a lying spirit that was sent throughout the earth. I believe there's a lying spirit that is active right now and today. And so we need to be prepared so that we're not deceived. Jesus said that even the, the elect, those that are close to God and, and, and chosen by God, if it were possible, and it's not, but if it were possible, the deception is so great that even they might be deceived. The danger of deception is you don't know you're being deceived. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the great danger of deception. You don't know you're being deceived. You don't know that you're believing a lie. And so the Bible warns again and again about these end time falling away and an end time deception and so we as Christians we need to be ready are we prepared are you ready to meet Jesus today are you ready for the Lord's return today how are we living our lives are we being deceived it's difficult to find the truth these days and let me ask this what if that deception has already begun I'm, I'm blown away at what's going on in the world. I mean, it's, it's just stunning what, are, what is being pushed as truth that you know is a lie. You know this is not the truth. This is not reality. This is not even science in some of these areas. And so we, we see so much deception. That's why we have the word of God. Because the word of God is the truth. And we need to stand on God's word and we need to study the end times Jesus told us to so that we're ready. I hope you're ready to take this journey with me in Zechariah because there's a lot to study, a lot of visions. But what if the deception is happening now? Are we ready? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I wanna give you a chance to be ready. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
today is the day of your salvation. You may not be guaranteed tomorrow. And so I just want to invite anyone here, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, maybe you were a Christian at one time, but you know you walked away and you need to come back. If you want to give your heart to Christ for the first time or for whatever time, would you just slip up your hand, anyone in this place? You give your life to Christ today. Anyone? Yes, amen, amen. You can put your hands down. This is important, folks. People are making a life and death decision, an eternal life decision. And so if you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask the other Christians to repeat after me as well, to go, to go along with this prayer. So you're not alone, you're among family. So if you raise your hand, please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your spirit. I receive eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, there's a party going on in heaven. And we would just ask you if you prayed that prayer to... Amen. Let's clap. That's good. If you prayed that prayer, just take one of the cards in the pew and just put your name down and how we can contact you. We're going to get you the information you need. Would you stand with me, folks, as I give the blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. If you need prayer, we'll have elders on this side. If you want to come to the altar, you're free to do this on this side, or you're also free to do it this time. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word, born again, all one word, to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.